we're going to talk about revelation, inspiration, and illumination, the difference in the three. We talked a little bit about revelation before. It's the way that God communicates to man. We looked at, remember we looked at natural revelation and we looked at supernatural revelation. Um, it's God revealing or disclosing truth to us that we didn't know before. And so that's God's way. He'll reveal truth to us. And so we understood that. We're going to, I think we, I believe we already looked at Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The idea is you and I have been rescued from sin. So what do we do? We bring that report to others and let them know. We reveal to them what? That they need a Savior too. We reveal that truth to them. In Romans 1 and verse 17, we'll see this word revealed used three times in three verses. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And it's, it's, a, it's not really a funny thing. It's a reality that as you accept light that God gave you, you'll be ready for more light. As you live by faith, you can more effectively live by having more faith. You know, it's, it's faith to faith. That's how the just live. God's going to reveal who He is to you more the deeper you get in a walk with Him. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. I'm glad I'm not on that side. Aren't you? <laughs> I don't want that revealed to me. <laughs> Just give me more light and truth, God. So praise God for that. Uh, verse 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. And we see even when a lost person has truth, it's just right here and nothing. I got it. I'm just holding it in unrighteousness. And that's a sad thing, but that's why who hath believed our report? Well, I hope you believe our report. We're going to go bring it to you. It's been revealed to us, and we want to reveal it to you. So we talked about revelation and, and God's revealed truth. First Timothy 3. First uh, Timothy 3. Second Timothy 3, sorry. Second Timothy 3. Second Timothy 3, Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All is by and of. All of it, every single word that's scripted, it is given right now. It wasn't was, past tense, now it's lost. It is right now, and it's by inspiration, and it's of God. Um, inspiration means this. God provided a way for His Word to be written and to be recorded without any admixture of error. It's the inspired Word of God. God did that. And inspiration is what gives us the claim to say we, we, we believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Have you, you've seen that in doctrinal statements? Hey, we believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. 
That comes from inspiration. Without God's inspiration, we can't make that claim. So in our Bible, we have a ton of revelation all through it as we flip through it. Oh, truth here. Oh, truth there. But that revelation is also contained in a complete book, a complete canon, a complete Bible, and the entirety of it is inspired. You flip a page, oh, some truth I didn't know before. You flip another page, oh, some more truth I didn't know before. But the entirety of it is inspired of God. And this verse is so key to inspiration because it's not, it's not given by inspiration of Moses or Paul. It's not given by inspiration of Isaiah or Daniel or Amos or Ezekiel or none of that. It's not even given by inspiration of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. They were human authors and human writers and human men that God used as He spoke, as God breathed, as God spoke. He used human writers. And He gave those writers source material. When we talked about last week, the supernatural versus the natural revelation, that's the source material that was given. You didn't have an experience with Pharaoh and you didn't cross the Red Sea. But God gave Moses some source materials to work with. <laughs> you see? Um, you never, and I will never, none of us will ever hold in our hands original writings. But Moses did. And they're gone. And Moses is gone. Does that mean the Word of God is gone? No. No. It wasn't Moses' work. It was God's work. He just used Moses. Moses held original source materials in his hands, and they were destroyed. And God did them again, and now Moses has got them again. We'll never even get that close. Inspiration is why we can claim inerrancy. God just used writers. Remember we looked at the supernatural revelations, God's audible voice. We, didn't, we don't have that as source material. Dreams and visions. We don't have that as source materials. Talking animals. None of that. Angels. None of that is source materials that we have. But God had human writers and authors and men that experienced that. So when we look at the Bible, it's not, you know what an author's greatest dream is to make the top seller list of book sales. Man, if I could just get a publisher, I can, I can really make it. You know, this book is on the top seller list. I mean, this book is going to, it, it has been around and will always be around because it's of God. God is the author of inspiration. And it's why we can trust that what is scripted it just has absolutely no errors in it. On Sunday afternoons, we're taking some time now. We're laying some foundation for the Bible, and we're going to get into some deeper 
Uh, it may seem to be boring stuff, but it'll be, I believe, necessary stuff. But you have two schools of thought when this book is read from and taught from. It's really just the best we got because of men and their sin and glosses in manuscripts and errors from scribes. And so the one school of thought is, look, it's the best we got and we'll just thank God for it. And we'll say inerrancy of Scripture, yet what we hold in our hand, we believe there's errors in it. So what we need to do is just keep digging, keep studying, keep researching, keep the archaeological digs going so we can find something that would help us get closer to the originals, which are the only really manuscripts that have no errors. That's one school of thought. And when you don't have a source material that you can refer to, like the originals, then I guess, in, in a sense, that is a convenient doctrine. But the other school of thought, and which I personally hold to and our church will uphold, is that we do believe that God kept His promise in preserving His Word. And God transcends language. And I do believe, by faith, that God said or that God kept His promise in preserving His Word so that we can have it without any error in it. And so when I go to the Bible, I don't read it as if, you know what, that might be what it mean means, but I bet you there might be a Greek or Hebrew manuscript, or might, there might be something that will give a better meaning. I believe the meaning's here. So when I read the Bible, I think, well, thank God I've got something. I'm going to rejoice in it. And I'm just going to study this and believe it. And I trust that God's inspired His Word and His promise to preserve it is right here. And we have everything that we need. So you won't hear me say a better rendering should be. I believe a, a better translation might be, I don't say that because... I'm not coming to the Bible to correct it as if I'm some type of authority on it. The Bible's the final authority. You believe that? How? By faith. I believe it by faith. I, I, I might not be able to present all the evidence that an intellectual mind needs to be able to accept it, but I do believe by faith that God has a book that we can hold in our lap and it's right. <laughs> and it's inspired by Him. He's the author of it. And I can get revealed truth as I turn pages. Anytime man is at a great idea, it typically isn't that great of an idea. <laughs> uh, man's ways always have a way of failing. So we're trusting God. His Word is going to stand. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Unlike inspiration, revealed truth comes to us progressively over time. 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 10. 1 Peter 1, 
verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. These prophets, they searched diligently. And as they searched, they learned a little bit more. And they don't know as much as we have, have known. We have what God revealed to the prophets. The, but the prophets don't have everything that was revealed to us. God's telling a prophet something back in the Old Testament. And we've got both the Old and the New Testament. Now that's pretty good, but you don't have everything revealed to you at one time. You can't just read the book of Genesis and say, well, I've got it. No, there's 65 other books. Think of the names of God. God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, and then God the Son and His Name of humanity would be what? Jesus, right? Okay, we don't have that anywhere in the Old Testament. I mean, we do, but we don't have the name of humanity. We don't have Jesus until Matthew 1.1. So you read Genesis, you read Exodus, there's nothing, no Jesus. I mean, there's Jesus, but there's no name of humanity, Jesus. And then you turn, the, then you turn to the New Testament. In the generation of Jesus... Christ. Okay, so we have truth. It, it revealed truth. Revelation of truth isn't like inspiration. It's over time. It, it's progressively revealed. And that's one example of how it works. Think of the birth of Christ. Where do you first see the birth of Christ? Where is it prophesied? The seed of the woman in Genesis, uh, Genesis 3.15, right? Wow, we have the birth of Christ in the first book of the Bible. Well, yes and no. Yes, it's there. It's, it's prophesied. But it's not fully revealed until we get to Luke. And then what do we have? Well, we have the birth of the Savior. Go to Luke 1. Let's read that. Luke 1, uh, 34. Remember, Genesis 3 talks about the enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And, and so we see Christ's birth prophesied all the way back in Genesis, but we don't see it fully revealed until verse 34 of Luke 1. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Thy seed and her seed, huh? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. 
You got something that was given to us in Genesis 3. But those Old Testament prophets, they didn't have Luke 1.34. Over time, truth is revealed. So we have revealed truth. We have, um, as we turn pages of Scripture, we get more. The entirety of the Bible is by God's inspiration. So we understand the difference of that. And then the last thing I'd like to talk about this afternoon is illumination. Revealed truth? Okay, great, I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Great, I don't, ins I don't understand the inspired stuff of God. This is where illumination comes in. You're reading revealed truth that you found in the inspired Word of God, but you say, you know what? What does that mean? One of the greatest blessings of being saved is that we're not a natural man or woman anymore. You can read this and now the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. A lost person doesn't have what you and I have. I'm not saying don't send free Bibles overseas or across the community. Do it. It's the Word of God. They'll see their need for a Savior. Your best witnessing tool is the Bible. I, I'm 100% with you. But you can't tell me, you can't convince me for a minute that a lost person is getting illumination like you and I are getting from this book. They're not. They're a natural man and they are not understanding spiritual matters like you and I are. Why? Because we have a spirit that's holy within us that allows us to understand the Holy Scriptures. And this is where illumination or understanding comes in. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 2. One of the reasons why people hand out John and Romans is they are very easy books to understand when it comes to who man is and who God is. And oh, where are we at here? First John two. First John chapter two. Verse 20. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is an antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Go all the way down to verse number 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth where? In you. It's in you and I. And ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in 
him. You know what God told you? You know how you can understand all things? Because I put the Holy Spirit of God in you. He did give the church pastors and teachers and leadership and there's a structure and an order there. But I'm not going to give, no preacher is going to give you something so spiritual that you can't get out of reading the Bible yourself. A preacher may bring to light a truth and now it's revealed to you and now you have more understanding or illumination. But if I ask Chris to study the first four verses of John and I sat down and, and, and Chris spent all week studying that out and I'm sitting there and Chris is up here He's going to reveal truth and there might be some type of illumination that comes to my mind and says, you know what? I dug in that thing for four years and I didn't come out with that. Man, that was good, brother. Does that make sense? Because we have the same. Chris, I don't have 95% Holy Spirit and you have 5% Holy Spirit because I have the gift of pastoring. You have 100% Holy Spirit, and I have 100% Holy Spirit. And the same truth that I can understand, you can understand. Because the Holy Spirit's going to give it to you. I mean, the real Holy Spirit, not the one that, you know, the, the carnival church makes up, where it's whatever you come up with, you know, it's the Holy... No, I'm not talking about that. We're talking about real, revealed truth. But God's Word is God's Word, whether... Somebody believes it and understands it or not. So you try to share somebody something with somebody and they just make fun of it. It doesn't make God's word any less more illuminating. <laughs> All they do is miss out on the blessing of being illuminated and understanding it. I'll show you a few examples of even writers of God. Well, let's start in Luke 1. Let's go to Luke 1. And Luke, man, he, it's like he had perfect understanding. I wish I was like Luke. Luke chapter 1, the Bible says, For as many, have, uh, uh, as, many as have taken in hand to set forth in order declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed." The book of Luke starts off, and it's like Luke, the truth that was revealed to him, it's like he understood all of it. Don't you wish you were like that at some times? Now, besides some of the blunder sermons that preachers do when you walk away and you say, you know, I didn't understand that. 
Have you ever listened to some sermons or have you ever read a portion of the Bible and you said, man, I didn't get that. And then maybe four months or six months or nine months down the road, the preacher gets back on that verse and he preaches almost the same sermon and you're like, oh, I, I got it. Same truth. Revealed just about the same way. What was different? The understanding was different. Same thing when you're reading a passage of Scripture. Five years goes by and you finally get it. And that, and that happens. It doesn't seem like that was the case with Luke. Um, go to 2 Samuel. I want to show you something on David. 2 Samuel. And we'll go to verse chapter 23, 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23, look at verse 2. Well, let's read verse 1. Now these be the last words of David, David the son of Jesse said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of God of Jacob. And the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know what David understood? He's speaking, but no, it's not me speaking. It's the Lord. David knew that real clear. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His word was in my tongue. David knew that, yeah, it's my tongue, but these words are from God. He was fully, he fully understood that. It's, it, Dave, he's the same psalmist in chapter 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That's a blessed truth right there. Now here's one where, uh, let's go to Daniel chapter number 12. Daniel 12. Right past Ezekiel, you come to the book of Daniel. Go to the last chapter, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel knew that this was revealed truth from God, but he didn't know what it meant. <laughs> Watch what it says in Daniel 12, verse 8. Daniel says, he says, Daniel 12, verse 8, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. How would you like to have been Daniel? God, I, okay. I have no idea what that means. Okay, good. The book's closed. Daniel had revealed truth that he knew was from God, but he didn't know what it was. That's amazing. It's not like you have to be a prophet and the requirement to be a prophet is to understand everything that God gave you. These prophets were doing things that... They had no idea why they were doing. You know, the prophet Ezekiel, you know, people want to buy this real expensive Ezekiel bread. 
one guy on Facebook, a friend of mine, he posted, he made his Ezekiel bread. I, 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 I texted him, I said, did you cook it over dung? <laughs> then it ain't real Ezekiel bread. Now, Ezekiel's doing what God told him to do, but you know as well as I do, there's no way none of us can understand what that the whole thing's about. Nobody would do it. Why? Because it don't make sense. So what you have here in Daniel, look at verse number 7. Um, well, we went back up to verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, one on this side of the bank of the river, the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever. Now this is probably blue Daniel's mind. That it shall be for a time, times, and a half, when he shall accomplish to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Huh? <laughs> so, so Daniel says, yeah, I heard you, but I understood not, Lord. Because that time and times and a half, what in the world is all that about? Now, we can look back and we can look at God, how He's going to deliver Israel from their troubles. And Daniel's a great book to, to go through to understand these prophecies. And we don't have time to do that tonight. But just imagine you're Daniel and you heard that time and times and a half and, and Israel. And this, what, what in the... Okay, God, it's from you. I believe it. No clue what it means. <laughs> no clue. And we're better off just reading this book. And when someone says, what does that mean? I have no clue. <laughs> just no idea. Uh, but I know it's the Word of God. And that's the one of the examples at least we can get from that book, uh, that chapter of Daniel. So, it just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it's not inspired of God. It doesn't mean it's not truth being revealed. All right, two more, chap uh, two more books and we're done. John 11... John 11 will do, and then 1 Corinthians 2 we'll finish with. But let's do John 11, verse 49. John 11, 49. We're going to have prophetic truth being spoken here. John 11, verse 49. Um, well, you got... I mean, Jesus is just blowing everybody's mind. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead earlier in the chapter. Uh, the Pharisees, they hate that the word of God's going out and, and the word's spreading about Jesus. They hate that. So watch what happens in verse 49. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And, th and this spake he not of himself. But being high priest that year, he prophesied. This is Caiaphas, the high priest. 
He prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. God can use a wicked plan on wicked lips to bring about His plan. I don't want to go too far down this trail. We've talked about this before. Jesus' own disciples, they didn't believe He was going to go to the cross. And we're here we have Caiaphas saying he's, he's prophesying truth. He doesn't believe it. He doesn't like it. He's not for God. But God used a wicked... He can use a wicked tongue to accomplish His purpose. And He can use it in a way even if the speaker that God is using doesn't want it to play out that way. Man says, I'm going to fulfill my plans and my desires. And God says, no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm going to make them mine. And I'm going to take yours. And I'm basically going to just overthrow them. <laughs> That's God. And the more we can get into that truth, the more we can realize we might as well do what God is going to do. Just leave our plans in ruin. Because <laughs> that's what God's going to do. He's going to leave all of our plans in ruin. And He desires to use us for His purposes. And Christian, just, just live like that. What does God want for me? And live that way. Let His plan rule in your life. Last thought on that verse is this. As we should be ter absolutely terrified to put our plans up against God's plan for us. It should cause us to tremble. And each individual needs to figure that out on their own. But corporately as a church, we know, as a church body, we know that we're putting God's Word first and ministry for Him first. It's not going to be around any other thing. And as, as much as somebody might like or dislike a preacher or agree with 50% more or less or you know, this side of the church likes this side of the church better than this side of the church, that's why they sit over there and all, all, all that stuff. All that stuff should just, just throw it all out. Because what matters is God's ways, God's plans, and He should prosper. And if we don't get a hold of that, what we're going to do is just going to come to ruin. And it don't matter if it's five people or 50 people or 500 people. That type of attitude will bring God's plans to ruin. That doesn't mean the church will shut their doors. Because there's plenty that are open. But not much going on for God. All right, last verse and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, look at verse... No, 
number nine, but as it is written, I have not seen nor, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Revelation. God discloses and reveals truth to you and I. That's Revelation. Verse number 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That's not revelation. That is illumination. You can know. You can understand truth. That's verses 11 and 12. Look at verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. This is inspiration by God's inspiration. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So you've got in, in 1 Corinthians 2, revelation and then illumination, and then inspiration. And just know this, the world's wisdom, it's just always will be human origin. God's wisdom in His Word, it's not human origin. It's God, divine origin. 